0: Hello, this is Matt Brown, worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, January 29th, 2023.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm John Vanderbilt, the executive pastor at Glen Ellen Bible Church.
2: Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, executive director of Naomi's House. I'm
3: Kelly Brady, and I serve as senior pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level.
1: What a day! No oh mind. <laughs> <laughs> ah, go cheese! I'm not. I'm not a, a cheese fan. Like I, I, li- I like. I Mah- like watching Mahomes. He's fun to watch. I did like the fact that the whole state of Ohio is in misery. Because <laughs> 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 is there? Because it's Michigan, yeah, Ohio, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. That's good.
2: It was a good day. Joey of football. B. Yeah. Although, those poor 49ers and their lack of <laughs> quarterbacks. Oh, my gosh. Kind I of
0: were they running I the Wildcats?
1: They were. For they AFC? They had Stanton McCaffrey as their, their, their third-string quarterback. Had they had to. They had nobody. The I hilarious thing was him. Steve. I saw him
3: throw a pass. It was uh, really yeah. painful. Steve
1: Young in the middle of the game was like, you remember Steve Young. Oh, skirt. Skirt, yeah. Of course. So, Steve Young in the middle of the game <laughs> <laughs> tweets out, I'm in the parking lot warming up. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me know if you need me. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. I feel bad for him to get that
0: far and, and they're, what, they're a good the, team and i wow, i have n- i
1: have nothing vested in any of these teams it's just yeah american sports we watch it right but the uh what happened at the end of the eagles 40 40- the <laughs> they fight, I, a the, fight. Yeah. i'm oh, like I, dude I you're up by like yeah it was 31 7 to the super bowl you're going to the super bowl why are you throwing punches yeah, yeah.
2: that stuff like, frustrates me kind of to a point you made before we started recording about all the mention of God, but I do have a 10 year old (laughs) son watching this who totally loves football and all of a sudden they're fighting. I was like, I know I was watching it. It just took a turn.
1: I was watching with Wyatt and Wyatt's like, Bro, you got the Super Bowl in two weeks. Yeah. What are you supposedly? <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah. Like Bro, so there's ejected. nothing that was worth someone from it at Philly. I didn't.
0: I didn't see that. It well, was both someone from Philly? Or I or mean, anything. they
1: both got ejected okay. and, are oh, uh, gonna okay. and are likely oh, wow. going to get fined and potentially. One guy
3: got body slammed. Did you see that? <laughs> you picked him up and he oh
1: no, I did see that. <laughs> he got slammed <laughs> by Trent Williams. <laughs> he literally so got uh, slammed. like slammed. <laughs> like if there was a basketball hoop there,
0: he
3: would have gone through
1: it
0: and it would have been called a slam dunk. So. Uh, yesterday was an exciting day, but not because of football. Yesterday was an exciting day for our church. <laughs> yes. oh, it truly yeah. was in the morning for two separate campuses. Let's talk about that a minute.
1: Yes.
3: It was awesome. We did how do you officially, officially. I feel excited and um, a little overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of work to be mm-hmm. done.
2: I so. liked how you talked about how you felt. What, what were yeah. your words in the second <laughs> service?
3: I think it was, I don't. we don't know what we're doing.
2: It's something like that. Yeah, you, we're making was, this
3: up as we go. Was, yeah, and was was a little, I figured it bother John. <laughs> it did bother me. I'm not going to lie. Well, and my we're point definitely is- definitely making things up as No, we go. <laughs> we're being diligent, and um, we have lots of best practices that we're taking action on, but I, my point was that as Christians, we can take risks, mm-hmm. and if as a church, we're not willing to take risks, yeah. then we- we're not going to have the experience of walking on water unless we get out of the boat. We're, you, you don't... Yeah. I so, thought that was a good way to frame it.
1: Wait, so
0: are you suggesting that all of the emails that I get into my work account about the
3: five best strategies to grow a church no. and flourish in, Are you saying that those are... <laughs> no. there, Matt's point, listeners, is that there is an industry. and yes. Literally, there is an industry... It comes around churches to help them grow. We're not adopters. We're not active in that world, uh, but they they do proliferate. They
0: some of it is good, and some of it is just is not. Mm -hmm. Like from like I read some of it, and I'm like, come on, dude. I mean, especially in my world, a lot of it is worship stuff. So how to get your church singing and five steps, and you know, some of it (laughs) is like, okay, this is helpful, and some of it is like, Mm -hmm. dude, you just. No. Yeah,
2: I I actually really appreciated that admission. It was it was like a, it felt like an authentic, half humble. <laughs> like I'm we we really don't know what the future holds. We took a risk. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm excited other, to know what the other half. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you were this was a, an ordained and you know calling on the church that you oh, all are cool. faithful yeah, to. Well, and give so you this a doing, try. Yeah, I thought
1: it was you were going to say confession. That
2: oh no, <laughs> things no. are going to go wrong, I, and we wanted it. One time I had a it. donor tell me as I was like pitching this new program. And he said, it's like you're building the plane in the air. And I was like, that's exactly what we're doing. And I and I felt like... to someone is that like, a John, bad thing? He, Exactly. I was like, that feels... That's exactly what we're doing. And come on, come with us. And that's a little bit of what Are not supposed I, to do that? Yeah. It depends on... Tell what me now. Your role is.
1: I, yeah, it does depend on what your role is. Yeah. I think there's definitely... We've read a lot of books. Yeah. We've actually talked with a number of people who Consultants and other churches who have done things like this to learn: Hey, what are the potential pitfalls? What should you try first? What is? But then every situation is unique; is different. Yeah. Every every right. church is unique. Every neighborhood is unique. Every pastoral staff is unique. Yeah. All the there's so many things that you can't necessarily strategically plan for in mm-hmm. advance. Yeah. And there's going to be ministry opportunities, and there's going to be well, and hard Jesus- conversations, and all these sorts of things that. We go into it going, hey, we know that God has led us to this moment. We've done, we're doing as mo- the most work we can to be ready and prepared and diligent, but there's going to be steps of faith you have to take and risks.
3: and Diligence is not in competition with faith. It's not no, one or that. the other. So yes, we're diligent, but there is a sense at which, hey, let's give this a try and mm-hmm. see if Jesus uh, uses this or these folks or these programs to draw people to himself mm-hmm. and but he's growing the church.
2: Mm-hmm. I hope you also feel a lot of freedom in it, in it. I don't want to say not working, like it dissolves, but like it not being perfect that there are oh, going to be. Yeah.
3: I feel that to to, okay. probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, one of my, um, no, it will be perfect. We will make it <laughs> perfect. <laughs>
2: Whatever. Posting a week ahead of time.
3: Franklin Roosevelt, uh, led throughout most of the American depression, great depression, the 1930s. And, um, he was famous for, it. let's try this, let's try that. More legislation was passed in the 1930s in that 10 year period than's ever been passed in another 10 year period. And the the effort was just try something, get us out of this, just throwing it out the wall, see if it sticks. I have a lot of that in my personality. Let's try this. Mm-hmm. Let's try that. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't, I feel free to fail um, my the risk in my personality is actually the opposite. Um, um, do I feel free to plan mm. Mm. <laughs> and uh, John and Matt both are great counter measures counterweights to that there well there's sort of more process oriented and planning oriented you know there's sort of a uh, I'm going to frame it poorly
1: but Hey, let's play this fast and loose. Let's move on faith because that's how God works. The Holy Spirit <laughs> I is you're in, rapping
2: right now. No. The
1: Holy Spirit <laughs> is in like the, you know, the crazy, the wild, the like we didn't think this through, and look, boom, it happened. There's, you know, it's like well, not necessarily right. not necessarily. The Holy Spirit can work. In the planning, in the prayers, yeah, sure. in the thoughtfulness, oh, in the, yeah, thoughtfulness, sure. in show, the yeah. organization, in the structures, and in you know, the Holy Spirit can can work in all that as well. Yeah, so. you
3: and I will spend, Lord willing, fifteen to twenty hours this week getting ready to preach. The Holy Spirit will be in that prep time, yeah. not just oh. when we walk onto the platform. Yeah. But yes, I really hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah. Just and to have the freedom to say, I don't know is important, right? Like just in, in the worship world, I've been asked questions from their worship people (laughs) from Mm. their worship folks. And my answer was just like, don't know, Uh don't know. We're going to find out one of the, you know, and other answers are like, Oh, we're going to do this A, A, B and C. So
1: I'm not afraid to say, I don't know. One of the best (laughs) leadership lessons I learned, I had a mentor a long time ago and he said, you need to tell there's two, when somebody comes to you with a problem and feels like you have to solve it, there's two things that you need to say. One is, well, what do you think is the right answer? Mm-hmm. How could you solve this? Mm-hmm. The second one is, if you get to the place where you, it's kind of on you to make it happen, feel free to say, I'm going to need some time to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer right now. Mm-hmm. And I remember that co- him kind of coaching me in that. And th- I was y- younger. This was years ago. But that's really changed a lot of how I operate, in, especially in my in my role, when people say, what are we going to do here? How do we do this? It's like, okay, give me a little bit of time. I, need to, I don't know the answer. Or what do you think is the right way forward? Mm-hmm. Do you have an idea? Yeah.
0: That's
1: good. Anyway. Yeah. That was really tangential. That had nothing Not to do with it. Not at all. I mean, I thought
3: it was, <laughs> let's make that question number one. Kelly, what did you mean by the fact? Yeah. <laughs> Should we jump Speaking in?
0: Speaking of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into them. All right. First up, uh, what is our posture towards the Old Testament law in the Christian's life? I love the gospel clarity provided yesterday. It's truly good news that we don't have to keep the law. But how do we think of the Old Testament law and approach the law?
3: Psalm 1. So our posture and, and position towards the law needs to be um, the posture and position adopted um, Within God's word, so Psalm One is really clear that the law is beautiful. It's something that we need to meditate on. It's a blessing to us. Um, the law of the Lord is a delight, and um, and so we need the Psalm One desc- describes those who meditate on the law of the Lord like a tree planted by water. That's who we want to be. We want to be grow up and be nourished and. So we need to see the law as good, but we need the law to be in its place. Um, and Paul described the law as a tutor that leads us to Christ. It it instructs us, that's Galatians 3.24. And so part of the difficulty with the law is that it it slowly became the means of salvation uh, for those in the first century, uh, Jews, and then some Christians, uh, like in last week's, in Sunday's passage, Acts 15, there were those who were trusting in Christ and uh, proposing that the law had to be kept. So we just need the law in its proper place. We, we need to see it as a revelation of God's character. That's how it's described in Psalm 19.7. So in the, in the seventh commandment, when we read, do not commit adultery, we, we know that God is faithful. And so when we make commitments, for example, in marriage, we need to be faithful. So it's a revelation of, of who God is. And keeping the law was a part of the Old Testament covenant, but it wasn't even the means of salvation in the Old Testament. It was a means for maintaining relationship, that is, proximity to God. Uh, faith was still the primary means. Abraham had faith, and it was credited, credited to him as righteousness. God's grace uh, faith in the provision of God was the means of salvation. Even in the Old Testament, the law was given as a as a revelation of who God is and as a means for uh, staying in relationship to God. And And so we just need the law to be in its proper place.
1: Um, I think there's examples. I'm trying to think of specifically where it might say this in the text, but we know that there are examples, particularly in Jesus' interaction with um Pharisees or teachers of the law, um, where there were some things that went awry, Mm -hmm. even with the Old Testament law and those that held to it, where the understanding of the law that was designed to um, reveal their sin and put them in a posture of waiting for the Messiah Mm -hmm. turned into, no, the law is something that they control and that people have to... um, Submit to to um, to be quote unquote saved those sorts of things. The law was even misunderstood by those in the uh, those that were um, instructed with teaching the people about the law or holding to the law. Does that make am I making sense? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the
3: food laws became that. So Jesus, yeah, the wa- the interactions of the washing, washing laws became yeah. that. They they became a means by which the the ego of humanity began to um, try and justify themselves before God. Look at me, God. I've washed my hands mm-hmm. uh, within the tradition. I've kept the tradition. I'm more holy than than the other people around me because I. I eat what's appropriate. I wash, rather than a God have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah, in seeing the law as a means to uh, relationship uh, and honoring God, rather to, to it, honoring
1: God. I think the right way to say it is people began to worship the law more than they worshipped.
3: That's great. It became the, an the idol person. itself. Yeah,
1: and there's there's even when we just went through De- Deuteronomy over and over and over again. It says, "I'm interested in your hearts. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in." you following the law to, to the T. I'm interested in the desire of your heart to want to be with me, to want to be holy so that, so that we can dwell together. And, and people began to, to worship the law or to look at the law as just a punch list. If I do these things, then God has to be with me. Or if I do these things, then I, I will be seen as righteous. So... We still do that. I was going
2: right. to say yeah. that is you describe my life. No, I'm yeah. <laughs>
3: well, there's actually a question the coming up. man, right? Where because the culture in which we live is such a merit-based culture, mm-hmm. demonstrate your worth. It's so easy for that to spill over into our relationship with God, rather than honoring Him with our life, and as a result of Him showing us grace, we try to demonstrate our worth and earn His approval mm-hmm. and because we're. Unfortunately, we're earning all types of things in this, in our suburban culture.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, all right, let's go to the next one. The four activities James identified sounded really weird. For example, meat of strangled animals and blood. Are there modern examples of things we should avoid?
3: Yeah, so I made the case that James identifies four activities that he, he wanted the church to write He wanted the church in Jerusalem to write to the Antioch church and say, do these things because you want to abstain from participating in pagan worship practices. These were Jewish customs that distinguished Jews, the people of God, from the broader pagan culture. And so, um, yeah, I think there are things even today, 21 centuries later, by which Christians distinguish themselves from non-Christians. Um, and so I'll give you, the most obvious is uh, the the non-Christian, every other religion in the world, Hinduism, we'll take the top three, Hinduism, Islam, and Buddhism, they all um, have theologies of merit-based salvation. you So Hinduism, you escape reincarnation by... Uh, your morality. You want to be increasingly moral. Um, and and Islam is the same, uh, Buddhism is the same, right thought, right behavior, right action. I mean, that's Buddhism. And so one of the primary ways Christians distinguish themselves, or Christians are different than every other religion in the 21st century, Is this is this theology of grace. Is he's saving me, I'm not saving myself, which doesn't mean my behavior is unimportant. My behavior is important. It's the means by which I honor God, but it's not the means by which I earn my salvation. And so it's really important that Christians cling to the gospel and that we not adulterate the gospel, that we not confuse it, but that we have clarity around what the gospel is, that we're saved by grace, through faith, apart from anything we've done for works of righteousness. And um, so I'll give you one example of an adulterated gospel. Maybe you guys have some other. Um, the prosperity gospel is an example.
1: Was, that was the one okay. was right.
3: You took mine. Okay. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's one that's prominent. It's the notion that uh, if I'm faithful, then I'll be blessed. And blessing is typically health and wealth. So... If I'm faithful, then I'll be blessed. And, you know, the cross-carrying, I mean, 11 of the 12 apostles died as martyrs and were persecuted heavily. And, um, and so it's not the case that faithfulness always results in greater ease and prosperity in life, whether material wealth or health. Uh, sometimes we suffer in this world. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So, uh, we need to hold up the gospel. We're saved apart from anything we do by God's grace through faith in Jesus. Um, and and sometimes, even in this life, we will suffer as a result of our Christian faith.
0: Um, so let me, um, can we go back to the original? Yes. Uh, so James lists a handful of things yeah. for the Gentiles not to participate in, and you made the case that uh, because when you read that scripture, it does sound like James, is like no, 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 you're, you're saved by faith, but then, <laughs> uh, but then you got to do these things too. It, it, it kind of can read like you got to read closely. You right. have to read closely, but yep. you distinguished uh, uh, very well that he's names these things because these are pagan rituals yeah. uh, that people are participating in. So if they abstain from these things, they will be even more maybe visually set apart. Maybe yep. you know that kind of thing. Um, what are the modern-day equivalents for Christians in our country, of, of things that the culture is participating in yeah, that so, perhaps we shouldn't to just to set us apart, or as you say, to keep right. us strange, okay. to keep us, well. You know, well oh, well, here <laughs> we go.
3: Some of the top, I, modesty, chastity, and fidelity. Right. So if you're single, staying chaste, uh, not being sexually active. It's such a if you're married, <laughs> staying modern faithful. Day <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. If you're married, uh, remaining faithful, and whether you're single or married, cultivating modesty, and and that's not just modesty of dress; it's modesty of speech too. Modesty is is an arrogant posture, and we can be modest in uh, immodest in our dress, drawing inappropriate attention to ourselves. We can be immodest in our speech, drawing inappropriate attention to ourselves. Yep. So, modesty, chastity, fidelity. I mean, I get a front- Generosity. Row.
0: Yes. I, I, I get a front-row seat just coaching. Like, if you're wondering, like, where can I go in and serve in the community where I'm not around a bunch of other believers, and, you know, mm. go. If you got some kids and they're in sports, go assistant coach. Go do so. You will notice very quickly that- some people have a certain coaching style and perhaps you could come and bring a different perspective, yeah. gentleness, a more and kindness. encouraging perspective or a more exactly. You could yeah. bring gentleness and kindness, encouragement, yeah. building uh, players up, especially young kids, instead of tearing them down, which can be a, a strategy that other coaches might, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I think if you do that or something like that um, day in and day out, The people around you, the players, the other parents, will start to notice, like, what? That person sure acts differently. Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on there?
2: You asked a question in service. um,
3: What makes me feel good about myself?
2: What makes me feel good about myself? Verbatim. And um, that was a good question. And it was hard to just sit there and think about it. That's what Anthony and I talked about on the way home was what is our modern day equivalent mm. to these examples? And boy, we just rattled them off. We had so many. Um, but for us, it was around the performance and behavior of our kids and feeling like, <laughs> as if, I mean, you do have influence, but they're all, the older they get, the more you realize they are their own humans with right. their own human brains yeah. and their own consciousness. <laughs> and they make decisions that you're like, oh my gosh. The more people say to me, recently, like someone pulled us aside over the weekend and said, Hey, I have a story to tell you. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know who? which kid and what story? <laughs> and I was like, not mentally prepared to, you know, a beat down and he was like, you've got great kids. Mm. And I like, what? I mean, of course I know I have great kids, but at the same time, like the older they get, the more someone says those that like, goes out of their way to say something um, is just a blessing. And so I appreciated his, him doing that. But at the same time, it also reveals how much my identity is wrapped up on in what decisions and choices they're making. And so for us, for Andy and I both, that was one of the, um, kind of the top, like quickly rose to the top of what makes us feel good about ourselves. Well, when our kids make good choices or they make us look good or whatever it is, you know, and, um, sup- being able to separate my own identity from them hmm. and knowing that, I have a a window of time where my job is to be a faithful parent and a faithful mom to them, but then also releasing them fully to the Lord, knowing that there comes a point where you just are having to like surrender. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Jesus take the wheel. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: That was, that was one that we both, and then the other one was just like, um, why, and this really bothers me, and I'm front, front of, the, of the line struggling with this is like, why do we work so hard to make it look like we have it all together? like why because we're we,
1: so competitive hmm.
2: Some of us more than others <laughs> no I mean? I mean in, 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 in the, the I mean this yeah. is a little bit yeah. of the
1: takeaway from a few weeks ago, but I uh, that's my that's yeah competitiveness yeah, I mean we it's like all over the place, like we don't want to admit.
2: It's just Our so cults. anti to the gospel.
3: A hundred percent. is. So, and when you get a taste of the freedom, yes, in confession, yes. you yeah. want more of that. Yeah. yeah. And vulnerability and yeah, but like,
2: but it's almost like you go first. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. There's a there's a I don't know. I just is I know in my head, you know how important it is to be vulnerable and transparent, and knowing when and where. Like, there's yeah. definitely wisdom around that. Oh, but, for uh, sure. You know, you don't want to be that person that's always like
3: dumping Here's stuff. my mess. Yeah. But
2: at the same time, um, it is just such a. I feel like that's a modern day suburban struggle, especially in an affluent sure. community like mm. like oh, we're yeah. in. And so, I don't know how to combat that necessarily. But um, other than just trying to be my most authentic self.
1: Yeah, I've, I've I was thinking about that. The latter, so. We'll talk about it next week, but there's a letter that then the Jerusalem Council writes. Right, it's and gripping, it go, and, it, and it goes out to Paul and, and Barnabas. Then go with Silas and Timothy. Ju, I think Ju, no, it's Timothy? Judas, the new Judas. Yeah, and they send Bar-Savis. them out. To, yeah. Why yeah. does well, everybody got to have two names? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Simon Peter, yeah. Mark, John, Mark, Mark. <laughs> anyway, they they take this this letter, and I was thinking this week. What would, what would be included in the letter? It's kind of like what we've mm. talked about, you know? And it was like, I feel like the the, uh, the letter is so obvious back then, bear with me, right? Drinking blood. Right. Animals are being sacrificed by pagans to the, in these temples of these places that they're going. Mm-hmm. It's really stark. And they're having Do, sex in those temples as a those, part of the ritual. Don't eat that meat. Don't drink that blood. Don't have... sexual immorality around it. What was the other one? A missing
3: one. Meat strangled.
1: Yeah. And, well, yeah. And don't eat. Anything with blood in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and these were were long prohibited practices. Like the Jews were known, like the food stuff with Jewish people was like. All types of
3: persecution on them.
1: And it was the thing. You're right. Everybody knew. Right they don 't do these things it's still today, right. we have k- kosher everywhere right, right like we in our grocery stores like mm-hmm. it's the thing, so I was like, well today it would be it would be really it would have to be much more localized mm. right like it would there are certain to your point mm-hmm. the suburban affluent world sure. in which community in which we live has unique things that set us apart and that we shouldn't participate in. Versus other places. I mean, there might, there probably are some overarching things. Sexual immorality, I think, is yeah, one that— Yeah, chastity
3: and fidelity. But modesty actually is incultrated. You have to work hard to identify what modesty is in a particular Great. culture.
1: All right. Uh, all right, let's
0: go to the next one. Question three. Any tips on how to avoid turning every activity into an attempt to earn God's approval? I hate to say it, but upon reflection, I think I'm constantly trying to demonstrate my worth to God.
3: I think this is super common. I mean, Mm -hmm. the culture in which we live in, it's what have you done for me lately? That's the culture we live in where we're, you know, we have performance reviews regularly and we have to make the grade and make the cut or we don't make the team. Um, And so I, man, it's rooting this out of our spiritual life. It takes vigilance. And so I, I just jotted a little scripture down that I wanted to read here. It's Romans eight. And if, If you're having trouble, uh, hopefully this would help. Maybe there's a better scripture, but this is one that came to mind. Romans 8, one through four, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set us free from the law of sin and death. So we're free through faith in Jesus. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. So God's done for us something we couldn't do for ourselves. He sent his son to be a sin offering and so he condemned sin in the flesh. Why? In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Let me summarize this. The summary is God has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves and it's not simply that he's saving us through faith in Jesus. He's also making us law keepers. On the way home yesterday, I was thinking to myself, darn it, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say that? That's the, the, the reality of being a preacher. Um, I wish I had talked about duty versus delight. I know that when I see the law as a duty to be kept rather than a delight to be enjoyed, then I'm, I'm not where I want to be. Because the law is beautiful, it's good, and those who meditate on it are like well watered trees, according to Psalm 1 that flourish. So I want to see the law the way God sees the law and what God meant for it to be. And so here in Romans 8, we're told that the Spirit of life has set us free from sin through faith in Christ, verse 4, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. In other words, the Spirit's doing something in us, and I'll be frank, I'll be honest with you. There are things in my life historically that I, this isn't a shocker, that I wasn't honoring God with. And then over time, the spirit worked in me so that I, got, I received delight in honoring God in my behavior. And I wanted to get, I talked a little bit about this yesterday. When the spirit's at work in our lives, we lose our appetite for sin. We gain an appetite for righteousness. And that's what it's talking about here in Romans 8.
2: Mm-hmm. I like too how yesterday you also mentioned the book of Galatians which is just a good letter to read if yeah. you're in this in this mindset like how do you shift from thinking that every activity is an attempt to earn God's approval and first of all you're not alone in feeling that way because that was the entire Jewish nation right they really Whole books sh-
3: have been written because right? this is the issue
2: they really struggled with how do I go from I no longer have to uh, you will they never had to earn their salvation, but they also had to keep these laws. Yes. And those laws were fulfilled in Christ. And mm-hmm. so this mind shift of, you mean I don't I Jesus healed on the Sabbath, that's okay. You mm-hmm. know, the all of this like paradigm shift of
3: And he ate unclean food and he didn't wash right? his hands appropriately mm-hmm. and
2: everything he did, right? Not everything. But anyway, my point is that the whole book of Galatians, and you mentioned it yesterday, is a, it, for me is always a helpful reminder of what our freedom in Christ looks like. And you can sit under that letter and almost put yourself in the shoes of what it felt like to be a Jew where everything has shifted um, in, in terms of the law and its purpose. Um,
3: One of the things that breaks me of a performance mentality is when I gain clarity on how sinful I am. <laughs> Like, yeah. I think I'm running re- the race really well. Yeah. And then I realize, <laughs> oh. oh, I'm proud. Mm-hmm. I'm actually proud mm-hmm. of how well I'm running the race. And so there's, we are so sinful and so utterly loved. Yeah. And, and the Spirit's at work in us. And, and when something needs to change in my life, the Spirit's gracious and he points it out. He says, hey, we're going to work on this. Mm-hmm. All
0: right, let's let's uh, let's go to the next one. Kelly mentioned that he follows someone on Instagram that is deconstructing their faith. What are we to make of those types of voices
3: in the world? Have you all done much reading on this deconstruction stuff? Just a little no, bit. No, can you
0: kind of
1: explain what you're talking about here? I feel like it was... We we'll go ahead and explain it. Matt's
0: well, question's
3: good. It's it's basically uh, a movement primarily among evangelicals who have left the faith, they, they're no longer believing is what they're saying. So they're self-described as no longer believing. And, and then they um, bring to light sin in the church. So they're saying, some of it is, is behavioral. They're, they're pointing out the sin in the church and then some of it's theological. They're, they're pointing out things that don't make sense to them, things that they feel are foolish beliefs. And so deconstruction, they're, it, I, maybe a better word would be remodeling, but they're tearing down their old ways of thinking as an evangelical, and they're adopting non-evangelical uh, posture and position on life. And so it's, it's become fairly popular for people to gain followings on social media as they're deconstructing and kind of throwing stones at the church. And I'll be honest. There are a lot of a lot of things to criticize in the church. We're an imperfect. We're a gathering of imperfect people. So, what 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 are we to make of those voices, those influences? I when I my heart goes out to folks that have uh, quote unquote lost their faith, that have moved away from faith. By I hurt this one person who I won't name, but I, my heart hurts. She's a, a pastor's kid, um, uh, steeped in the evangelical movement she led worship on large platforms in front of thousands of people and now uh doesn't believe and in, in is is hypercritical of her experiences but I'll be honest when I hear her experiences <laughs> I'd be hypercritical too I mean what a nightmare some of her experiences are horrific horrific and and I'll be honest with you I had some horrific experiences in the church growing up uh so what do I make of it? I, I make of, it makes me sad. And I have to be honest with myself that we're a gathering of imperfect people. I don't know, what do y'all make of it? Yeah.
1: I think <clears throat> if I can remember, ooh, this a while ago, this was kind of popular, kind of came to be like 20-something-ish years ago where this was kind of really like deconstructionism, deconstruct this. Is it that old? Yeah, I can remember... Uh, when I was working at Wheaton, I mean, almost 20 years ago now, where there were some seminars, conversations, panel groups, that kind of thing around this topic. But it was done in a way, it wasn't, it was done in a way for believers to sort of strip away, deconstruct religion that you had maybe put your hope in religion. It, it wasn't and, even
3: biblical, right? Well,
1: right. Rather than in a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. It was, okay, you're worshiping the text, you're worshiping going to church, you're worshiping your purity, you're worshiping... Worship.
3: You're worshiping worship. Yeah, all these other things.
1: And it was like, hey, let's deconstruct in our mind, take away all the things that we sort of built up as this is our faith, this is who we are, this is what we're really all about. And it was like, let's get... I mean, there were songs... That were written about getting back to just Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus only
3: I'm coming. Yeah, back exactly. To the get heart. get rid
1: of all the, the lights and the glam and the blah, you know, all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And it was get back to your authentic faith. Mm-hmm. I thought that some of that was really positive. Right. I think the movement then moved for a while to start to deconstruct more than what was maybe potentially intended. So then you had these movements of, well, why do we believe in the Trinity? Hmm. Why do we believe in this? Why do we the believe in that? The necessity of the
3: cross. Right. Why did someone have to die? Right. right. So what do we... More core issues. Yeah, yeah. we
1: started to deconstruct, take away, question um, the core, <laughs> yeah, to, mm-hmm. your, to yeah. use your word. Um, and then it sort of has spiraled into anybody that grew up in the church... Doesn't actually have and a relationship doesn't yeah. have a relationship with Jesus and we need to beat up the church and i'm I'm oversimplifying and I, yeah. the person who's doing this on Instagram would probably pick a fight with me for' the and words there I'm dozens, saying but, there's dozens yeah, of people but I, it seems to be kind of the trendy I mean we have authors that wrote books about um, Christian culture who are now coming out and beating up their book and saying, well, I've deconstructed. Everything Joshua and, Harris, yes. comes to mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, exactly. I wasn't gonna say any names because oh, I mean, I no, know I mean,
2: it's pretty public.
1: I know Josh yeah. listens, so <laughs> I, you know, my mom doesn't even listen to this podcast.
2: <laughs> I thought she did, I thought she was like our no. one true
1: listener, but it's there's been multiple sort of Christians who led through the '90s, early mm-hmm. 2000s, who have now come out and said, "I'm not who I was. I've deconstructed I was everything, I didn't say,
2: or I didn't. I think differently. Right? I, mean, I, was, that's, yeah. I Yes. Let I me was, ask this
1: question. I was part of Christian
0: biz. Uh, and let me ask. Not, a, in, let mm. me ask this question. Um, are most, if not all, of these deconstructing folks, folks that have grown up in the church? Wait, say it again are most of these people who are deconstructing their faith, who are going down this road, are like Kelly mentioned, the person he follows is a pastor's kid, are most of these people, people who have grown up in the church, have kind of been in Christian culture yeah, and in the church yeah.
1: most, if not all of their lives. I mean, I think that's the idea yeah. behind the word deconstruct is right. that something was constructed through their life, whether they joined, you know, grew up or spent a significant part of their faith development. Yep. Um, but that you can deconstruct, I mean, people, people don't just deconstruct religious stuff. Right. I mean, there's, this movement is kind of everywhere, yep. but.
0: It seems to me a lot of folks who are uh, looking to deconstruct, or especially from, at least from the minimal, uh, you know, people that I've seen talk about it and things I've read, seems like they are looking to get away from, a lot of times from hypocrisy. Yeah. From you know, well, Mm -hmm. I I'm tired of being around an environment where people say one thing and they do you know they do something else. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I guess my perspective on it is different since I didn't come to faith till I was 27, and I spent a lot of time in everywhere except the church. Um, If they're looking for a tribe or a religion or a people group or an environment that does not have hypocrisy they are going to be in for a rude awakening right. because <laughs> everyone is a hypocrite yeah. every environment is has hypocrisy it just does it doesn't matter if you're if you play in a band or if you yeah. belong to a church or if you don't belong to a church or if you are if it's you
3: know, a gathering I, of people
0: pain <laughs> is present like it's going yeah. to I mean I'm not trying to belittle church hurt cuz I know there's some horrible things that have happened in the church yeah. totally get that but that's the, I don't know, Is it, am, am I right in, this, in I saying right. That, yeah. that that is a common yeah. factor with a lot of people who've grown up in the church and are now deconstructing is that yes. they're just, and, yeah. and you know what, that's fair too. I'm tired of people saying they're going to do something and doing something entirely different. Like Christians, we should
3: do what we're going to say we're going to do. We should not do. be hypocrites. Absolutely. <laughs> Let me recommend one book. Before You Lose Your Faith is the title of the book. Before You Lose Your Faith. It's a good book. If you're, if you're out there wrestling with topics of deconstruction, this is a, it's, a, it's a helpful book. It's paperback. It's short. It's cheap, 11 bucks on Amazon, Before You Lose Your Faith.
0: All right, let's go to the final one. So, when is it helpful to have a sharp dispute of theology, and when is it counterproductive? There's so much disagreement in various theological points and everyone seems in different camps. What is worth arguing about?
3: This is a great question. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna give some um, some guidelines for processing disagreement. In fact, more disagreements ahead in this weekend. There'll be some disagreement as we um, continue into Acts. Um, Paul and Bartimus disagree on who should be along on a missions mm-hmm. trip. Am I getting that right, John? You're looking at me blank. No, do I, that, do I have the that, right passage?
1: I think you I, I just don't want you to reveal too much okay. of your sermon. Okay, I want everybody to wait.
3: So, um, disagreement again. If if you if you've got a gathering of two or more, there's there's probably some disagreement. So, here's what I love about what I heard or what I what seemed to be present in Acts 15. Um, there was uh, an agreement to uh, there was sharp dispute there was debate but then there was the seeking of community hey let's get some other people's opinion on this when i uh, went through ordination here at glowen bible church it was probably 22 years ago now um, somebody asked me in the process of ordination kelly how do you change your your mind on the uh, theological topics what could we expect from you in the years ahead because people they deconstruct and they reconstruct. People, we have, we're growing, and so um, it was. A, I thought a brilliant question. Um, one of the things that helps in disagreement is community, and and I see um, them going to Jerusalem as the seeking of community and of a deference to authority, and so we all need that in our lives. When we when we come into dispute, let's disagreement. Um, let's look for community to help us in the process and let's defer to authority. Let's have some uh, voices of authority in our lives. Some people, I tell my kids all the time, uh, part of, of landing on a position is deciding who you'll trust because I don't have all the data. Um, and so we, we have to defer to authority at some point, um, how do we choose? So there's so much disagreement on various theological points. Uh, what is worth arguing about? Uh, I think that we're okay. I'm, <clears throat> I would say it's okay, you're okay to argue. The question is, how do you argue? And Sherry and I, early in our marriage, had to go to counseling. One of the things we learned in counseling was how to fight fair. Mm-hmm. I, I, early in our marriage, I, I wasn't a fair fighter. I was a power-up guy. And she was a retreater. So she'd go into the bedroom and refuse to engage with me. And then every time she would try to engage, I would overwhelm her with my, you know, my force, you know, whatever that is. So um, we had to learn to fight fair. I think the church, we need to Tell learn how... More, to, okay. more. more. <laughs> uh, we had to learn to fight fair. And I think that in the church... We need to learn how to disagree in productive ways. There's lots of disagreement to be had. So 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16, uh, talks about this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So be prepared to give your position. But, he says, do this with gentleness and respect. It's one thing to have a position. Everybody has positions. They're like noses, we all have them. The question is do are we gentle and respectful with each other and you know, he goes on keeping a clear conscience how many times have we lost have we sinned against each other when we start to argue so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander in other words let them not be able to say you argue argue poorly or you're unfair in your arguing posture. So I think we're free to argue about what we want or disagree on what we want to disagree on. I'm more concerned about the posture we have in disagreeing. Are we gentle and kind?
1: Position and posture. Yeah. Holding it. I think too we need to be careful. This is something that's just crept into every kind of whenever there's an impasse or discourse or whatever everything becomes this like personal Mm -hmm. thing. So we (laughs) uh, we take things personally and we attack people personally rather than thinking the best of others Mm -hmm. who even though they disagree with us Mm -hmm. like i think the best of them as a human they're good peeps particularly people that are (laughs) are christians and believers that may think differently on some things than us do we think the best of who do we think they're trying to love their children and raise them and (laughs) participate in society and not be a criminal and all all these are the sort of things and we kind of forget that and then we go at we go at the jugular for who they are as a person and we tear them apart outside of just their the ideas we can't just argue about ideas anymore and what the impacts of those ideas we're arguing about and and attacking at a level that's it's simply just inappropriate
2: unproductive, yeah. and unproductive
1: and unproductive. Yeah. And it, it, it elicits these defensive. Mm-hmm.
3: Why is everybody like, that dis- disagrees with us a villain? It's like, why do we villainize? Yeah. Everybody
1: Who's going to come up with a bigger haymaker to yeah. blow the thing up, you know?
2: This, for some reason, this question is just making my heart beat really fast. Oh. I know. I'm trying to Share assess. Share more. Should I do it out loud with everybody else listening?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Why we love processing that? on the <laughs> spot. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm great at it. Um, but I think it's because the issues that really tear a Christian community apart, the things that we don't do a great job listening and hearing huh? <laughs> hearing from the other quote unquote side um, they're getting more and more personal. And so there are some topics or issues or, you know, conversations that I'd like to have. Mm. And, um, heaven forbid my thoughts or my experience or what I'm learning are different than yours. If I'm and I, I shouldn't say I like, if we're not safe, to have these discussions with other believers that we're supposed to be, you know, an authentic community with, and we're afraid that um, we're going to get labeled or put into a box, or we've lost our minds, or we're liberal, or you know, there's all these different titles or you know labels that can be thrown at us for just asking questions. It just, for me, it makes me nervous, and I think it's why my heart starts beating so fast. Is it just going to perpetuate the issue? We're going to get further and further from each other as opposed to, um, really doing the hard work of admitting that maybe we don't know or, um, admitting that maybe we could have been wrong, mm-hmm. um, or just loving someone through their journey and mm-hmm. whatever it is that they're going through and not feeling like it's your, it's not your responsibility to fix everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I just <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I, we're in a, the culture wars of today, I, I don't know. It's my first time being in this year, so meaning for, for Wait, me, you're not like, back. No, you're not no, back. No, from I've the never future. been here before. Never been here before. <laughs> Did you get? For, a, you drove it, up in
1: a Delorean. I <laughs> swear, I saw it. It, it. <laughs> <laughs> just
2: feels so. It just feels heavier for me in this point of my life than it ever has. And It's probably because I'm for real an adult now. And
1: well, you frontline with kids who are going to go right through it. You want a better experience from them.
2: It's, it's ministry. It's, uh,
1: politics.
2: And it's like trying to be a leader to a staff. I mean, there's just every direction you look at, you're like, turns out people, I don't know anything. Right. Like here's what the gospel is. That's all I know. And I just feel so unsafe having some of these conversations with people because you're just going to be like, Oh my gosh, did you hear what she said? Yeah. And,
1: the cam- and it's camp. Did you know that Simone is now mm-hmm. blank? Right. She's now in that group. Right. Rather than, right. man, Simone learned something from what she was reading yeah. and she applied. Or a person. I learned something <laughs> yeah. from
2: somebody who's yeah. going through right. something. Right, right. You know? Right. Yeah. Okay. I know the argument, the other side of it is that, well, then you're far from scripture or oh, your yes. your theology is off or, you know, and I and it's just why can't it be a conversation of like all of the above? Why can't we just have productive conversations that allow for us to ask questions about our theology or our personal experiences? I don't, I'm probably not making any sense. You're making it tons 12. of
1: sense <laughs> and everybody can relate to the feeling of, do I really want to share with this person something that I might be thinking about that I don't yeah. know for sure? Sh- yeah. Or I'm, I've I'm learned process, something I'm new or I'm in process on mm-hmm. this or mm-hmm this was a really good point that I learned from somebody who I don't
3: typically yeah. align with or agree with, or
2: yeah.
3: I tell ya, you, know. I, I really want to be a, a part of a church that um, is committed to the theology and philosophy of ministry. That is how we do things, mm-hmm. philosophy of ministry, how we get things done, how we make disciples, but is patient with one another. Mm-hmm. And, Realizing that we all have different backgrounds and we are in process. Um, and that's hard to do. It's hard to. Well,
1: it, it starts, it goes back to our deconstruction. Yeah. So, what is off limits for process? Mm. Is there anything that's off limits? For processing? For, for processing. Well,
3: people can process whatever they want. <laughs> uh, well,
1: it, as, a, as a church, Staff, as you, for you as a pastor, if you said, hey, I'm in, well, I'm, I'm settled. Right. I'm yeah. in process on the virgin birth. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. There are things that are, can, can cause in, because of your position as a leader, right. your position yeah. as, as a, as a mouthpiece of the text and right. the doctrines of this church right. that we don't mm-hmm. publicly, n- nor maybe even privately yeah. say, yeah.
2: Yeah There's majors And there's minors Totally And yeah. you're saying You're committed to totally. majors Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And,
1: right And I think there's a way to char- I, I was char- trying to for... characterize
3: Our posture towards yes. each yeah. other Right Right We have settled positions um, mm-hmm. I typically say to people I'm more settled On my positions Than I've ever The older I get mm-hmm. Is what mm-hmm. I say The more settled I seem to be on my positions But the older I get The more gentle I feel like I'm wanting to be In my posture Yeah
2: it makes no sense. I like that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> all good.
0: All right. Good. Good. That's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast six three zero four seven four
1: sixty one sixty four. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith.
2: We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him, and our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together.
3: Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to The Next Level Podcast. Prophecy.